From inspiration to insurance and protection, all for serving the Lord Jesus. We all need insurance. Why not work with an agent that understands the biblical principle of protection and risk management to insure your family's future? Ray and Justin Garner are Christian business professionals who will put a Christian perspective on your insurance and inspiration needs. For auto, home, life, business, health, boat, motorcycle, RV and dental, and church protection needs, Ray, Justin, and Luana can be reached at 626-4880 or 986-4944 for church protection, personal protection, and business protection. Ray and Justin are independent Texas businessmen that have dedicated their lives and business to the advancement of spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ through Austin Ministries. Call Ray Garner Insurance Agency and ask for Ray at 626-4880 or Justin at 986-4944. You know, the world has changed and getting connected is really no longer a trend. It's a reality. And it's happening all around you, leaving you to wonder how do you get connected to your customers while staying ahead of the digital revolution and your competition. Well, Texas SEO is a Christian-based online marketing company, and they're the partner you can always rely on to navigate through the ever-evolving digital landscape. To schedule your free consultation and digital analysis, call Texas SEO at 1-888-988-9736 or visit the website texasseo.com or simply Google Christian SEO Company and you'll find them in the first position. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow. These guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com. Hi, everybody. This is Steve Washburn, pastor of First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. So glad to be with you today on Love Talk with Evelyn Davidson. We want to invite you to come with us on a four-sermon journey from Christmas to the cross. We'll be coming to you once a month between now and March 25th. You know, the nativity scene ends in Luke 2.16. So we're going to begin today with this study of Luke 2.17-39 through 39, entitled, The Voices of Christmas.
Michaela Cotter, accompanied by one of our musicians there. I don't know what his name is. <laughs> Tom Cotter. Find your Bibles or your smart device. Let's open them to uh, Matthew chapter 2 and Luke chapter 2. What we've been doing on these days leading up to uh, Christmas is, is kind of mentally projecting ourselves back into uh, the nativity scene. Try going there, going to that first Christmas, uh, sensing it, feeling it, looking around, trying to experience uh, that first Christmas and incorporating what we learned there into our own lives. Now, we're paying attention uh, to the primitive provisions. We looked at that a lot last week. We're paying attention uh, to everyone in attendance. Uh, we're paying attention to the divine revelations. Everything is going on in in. Our thinking is God is going to give us, from looking around there, meaningful messages that we can apply in our own life. Let me just remind you this. That nativity scene was no accident. The, the setting and the scene there at that first Christmas was presented to them and to us with great intent. It looks exactly the way God wants it to look. No accidents there. Everything... Everything there is meaningful. Now, last week we gave attention to the setting, uh, and we looked at the ornaments, the decorations, if you will, of that primitive little scene. And this morning, we're going to take a little bit of a different reading. We're going to look at the lights, entitling our message, Being a Christmas Light. God wants my life to be a shining message at Christmas. God wants your life to be a shining message of Christmas. Not only Christmas, but all year long. Linda and I um, decorate the banisters going up our steps with garland and, well, much like this, garland and ribbons and lights. We kind of weave that into the, the banister going up to our steps. And she kind of changes it a little bit every year. Last year, 
she had uh, red ribbons and white lights, and it was very Christmassy looking and, and nice. But she decided that this year, Christmas 2017, she wanted to change it, so she has bought gold ribbons and wants to decorate it with blue Christmas lights. So as soon as Christmas was over last year, she took advantage of all the after Christmas sales and she began buying these these LED lights. You know what I'm talking about? They're real intense blue Christmas lights. And since she started right after Christmas last year and they were they were so cheap, she bought, you know, a thousand of them, I guess, something like that. Way, way more than we needed, but we uh, we decorated the banisters and, and, and it looked pretty good. Uh, we, we turned off all the lights because we wanted to see what these blue LED lights look like. So we, we turned off the lights, we stood there, and we plugged them in. And both of us stood there for just a moment in silence. And Linda said, these are giving me a headache. <laughs> and I said, yeah, me too. I, turn those off. So we turned off these, these blue LED lights, and we took them all down. All 1,000 of them, we took them all down, reboxed them, and took them back. And we put up... Sweet little white lights now in our in our garland. So as we begin talking this morning about being Christmas lights, I want us to have the right message. I don't want us to think about uh, these these uh, difficult Christmas lights, these unpleasant Christmas lights. I want us to think this morning about revealing, comforting Christmas lights. That's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. Uh, and we want to look at that here this morning. And we asked the question, why? Why does God want that of us? And I think what we need to do in order to answer that question is just look at the culture around us, the sad condition they're in, so we can see how we can minister uh, to them. The late movie director, Stanley Kubrick, explained his view of life this way, and I think it represents culture. He said, the very meaninglessness of life forces man to create his own meaning. The most terrifying fact about the universe is not that it's hostile, but that it is indifferent. However vast the darkness, we must simply supply our own light. So I think that's the way culture is. Culture operates under the understanding that they have to generate their own light. They have to find their own way. Everyone's on their own and having to find their own way through life. And that is so very sad, especially here at Christmas. Right here at Christmas, those of us who belong to the Lord need to be lights and say to people, no, 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 we don't need to provide our own light our own way. God's done that. God's doing that. So Scripture contains a number of references to lights, and we're going to kind of glean that and capitalize on that. Let's begin with the light of prophecy. One of the things we followers of the Lord often forget is that prophecies that were made centuries before uh, Jesus was born uh, were made and were fulfilled by Jesus, fulfilled precisely by Jesus. We call this, this is commonly known as the light of prophecy. Because all these prophecies, like a laser, point Directly to Jesus. Now, there's a little bit of a difference. There's kind of a span here. We know that there are between 300 and 400 prophecies made regarding Jesus as the Messiah. Most of those having to do with his life and his crucifixion. But a good many of them, 
uh, have to do with his birth. Let's look at just a sampling of those this morning. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says the Messiah was to be born to a virgin. Luke chapter 1 verse 34 says Mary was a virgin. Psalm chapter 2 verse 7 says the Messiah was to be the Son of God. Matthew 3 verse 17 tells us Jesus was called the Son of God. Genesis 22 verse 18 says the Messiah was to be the seed of Abraham. Not uh, seeds, but the seed of Abraham. Galatians chapter 3 verse 16, among many other verses, says Jesus was indeed the son of Abraham. Genesis 21 verse 12 says the Messiah was to be the son of Isaac. Luke 3.23 says Jesus was the son of Isaac. Numbers chapter 24 verse 17 says the Messiah was to be the son of Jacob. And Luke 3.23 says Jesus was the son of Jacob. Isaiah chapter 7 verse 14 says the Messiah was to be called Emmanuel. Lo and behold, Matthew chapter 1 verse 23 says Jesus was called Emmanuel. Micah chapter 5 verse 2 says the Messiah was to be born in Bethlehem. Matthew chapter 2 verse 1 says Jesus was born in Bethlehem. Psalm 72.10 says the Messiah would be presented with gifts. Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 11 says Jesus was presented with gifts. And I'm going to stop there because it goes on and on and on. I mean, there's, there are so many others. You know, there was the prophecy that babies would be executed trying to find the baby Jesus. And that certainly happened. Prophecy was made that the Messiah would come up out of Egypt. And of course, Joseph had taken his family there and came up out of Egypt uh, in keeping with prophecy. So I'm just saying to you, it's important for us to give attention to this because it's encouraging to us. It's encouraging for us to remember that that uh, the Christmas story, the nativity, did not happen in a vacuum. It was foretold for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came. Uh, these people in the nativity scene in the first Christmas kind of came to this a little bit late. They had to start putting things together and recognizing these prophecies are being fulfilled in Jesus. I'm sure as this teenage girl, probably 15 or 16 years old, Mary, as she looked into the soft face of her baby Jesus, and as Joseph, also a young man, uh, probably really off balance this time, all, these two putting things together uh, gently and slowly, recognizing, wow, all those prophecies that were made over a 1,040-year period as the Old Testament is being written, all those prophecies point to this little baby. Our little son laying here in the prophecy. All the Old Testament prophecies proved Jesus was the Messiah. One of my favorite things to watch on television is Forensic Files. Any of the rest of you know what I'm talking about? The show, Forensic Files? It, you know, little half-hour programs, doesn't take long to watch them. But, you know, the program starts off, it's, it's, a, it's a documentary, it's not a, it's not a series. It starts off, a crime has been committed. And the detectives... Real detectives uh, start out trying to solve this crime. And they begin by interviewing the witnesses, and then they, they eventually get to where they're interviewing the suspects. But the case almost always rises and falls on the evidence. And so scientists are collecting these forensic uh, clues and putting them together so that by the end of the presentation of this documentary... The police are able and willing to say, based on all the evidence... This is the person. 
This is the person that we're looking for. Well, in the same way, uh, Jesus is accused of being the Son of God, accused of being the Messiah. Not only that, though, over all the years, all this evidence was collected and proved beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was indeed the Son of God. That's who the evidence points to, encouraging to all of us. Well, question for us. What about the evidence in our lives, in my life, in your life? You're being watched, by the way. We're all being watched. As people watch our lives and examine the evidence, as they look at the evidence, does the evidence of our lives point to Jesus as the long ago promised Messiah? As people find out that we're followers of Christ Jesus, as they look at our lives and watch, you know, watch our priorities and our language and our activities and, and where we go and what we do and our marriages and how we raise our families, does the evidence of our lives point to Jesus as being whom he says he was? In that regard, we're a great deal like those prophecies. The evidence of the prophecies pointed to Jesus as the Son of God. Does the evidence of our lives do the same thing? We need to be like the light of prophecy. That's where we're landing here this morning. All the evidence of our lives should prove that Jesus is the Messiah of God. Here's another light. It's important for us to look at, and that is the light of the star. Let's look here at Matthew, beginning in chapter 2, verse 1. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived unexpectedly in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who was born king of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Let's get down to verse 9. After hearing the king, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen in the east. It led them until it came and stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed beyond measure. Why were they overjoyed beyond measure? Well, it's because the Bethlehem star used its light to lead them to Jesus. Let's get back there with them for just a moment. There was something about that star. Not sure what it was. Something about that star that was unmistakable. There was something about that star that grabbed their attention. Something about that star caused them to follow it. Now let's recognize this. Let's put ourselves in the shoes of the wise men. They're following the star. It takes them quite some time to move from the east out around Iraq. All the way to Jerusalem. So as they're on their way, we're assuming they slept during the day and moved at night. So they wake up. And how do you imagine them going through this process? They wake up. They start, they start searching the skies. Do you picture them going, now where was that star? I, I know it was here last night. Is that how you picture them starting their, their, their journey? Or, or how about, do you picture them waking up saying, is that the, star? That's the same star, isn't it? Is that the star we were following last night? You know, I don't picture them doing it. I picture them getting their gear together and ready to go and the star being obvious. There's the star. Let's follow it. Isn't that the way you picture this? Something unusual about that star. They make their way all the way to Jerusalem. They go in and talk to Herod. 
after they get through talking to Herod, verse 9 says, they walk out, they walk out, and they, they don't go through a process again. They don't say, hey, is that the same star? That's, they didn't do that. They looked up and they said, there's the star, unmistakable star. That star led them from over to the Middle East all the way to Jerusalem and then led those men to Jesus in Bethlehem. Unusual star. Something about that star. That was the star. You agree? All right. In 2010, Dr. Paul Crowther, professor of astrophysics from the University of Sheffield's Department of Physics and Astronomy, announced that he and his research team had discovered a star they described as the brightest star ever found in the universe. They've named it R136 Alpha 1. The mass of R136 Alpha 1 is 265 times greater than our sun. That's how much bigger it is. Not only that, the brightness of R136 Alpha 1, listen, is 10 million times brighter than our sun. That much more heat. Now, let's kind of get, you know, I don't have a very big brain. I can't wrap my brain around this, but let's, let's try. They're not saying that R136 Alpha 1 is twice as bright as our sun. If it, if it was, if it generated twice the heat as our sun, within not very long, it would reduce our planet to ashes. And they're not saying that R136 Alpha 1 is ten times brighter than our sun. If it was, it would just turn us into a, a puff of smoke instantly. Not a hundred times brighter. Not a thousand times brighter. Ten million times brighter. Now let me, let me say something. This is, this is a preacher talking. I'm not a scientist. See if you agree with me. That is a star. You, you agree with that? So that's a star. Now, I don't think the Bethlehem star was that star, certainly. And I don't think the Bethlehem star necessarily was 265 times heavier or 10 million times brighter. But as, as, as we look at Scripture and we see, we see these wise men following that star all the way to Bethlehem, I think it's safe to say that was a star. That was a star. And a, a, a star so magnificent that, that it was beyond compare and instantly recognizable. Why is that important to us? Is there any message in that from God for us? Well, I think there is. Everything about that nativity uh, scene, everything, everything about that uh, first setting is a message from God to us. So let's pay attention to this for just a moment and recognize from the Bethlehem star, we need to learn that we are also to use our light to lead people to Jesus. Encourage each other and build each other up. KTXW, Maynard, Austin. And now you can listen in the Hill Country on KHSB FM, Kingsland Horseshoe Bay. KHSB FM, The Bay 104.7. This is today's Christian Talk, The Bridge. We need to be a star, an unmistakable star. A star that's instantly recognizable. A star that, that's not like everybody else around us. We need to have that kind of a light that lead people to Jesus. That's the message from the Bethlehem Star. I came across a man named Al Bracca, who's a corporate bond trader who worked on the 105th floor of Tower 1 of the World Trade Center. 
A week after the building collapsed, Al's body was found in the rubble. His wife said that Al hated his job as a bond trader. And the reason he hated it was because it was such an ungodly environment. The people there were just, were just so opposed to God. He hated working there. But he wouldn't quit because he told his wife, I am the only light in that darkness. I'm the only Jesus they're ever going to see. Now, what's interesting is that before that tower collapsed, people recognized they weren't going to get out. Staircases were gone, no way to get out. So, so they started writing emails, last emails to their families, and making phone calls, leaving messages to their families before that tower uh, collapsed. And one of the things a number of the people said was, there's a guy on this floor praying with people. There's a guy on this floor going around talking to people and praying with people. Now, some of them knew Al by name. And their last emails going out, their last phone calls going out said, Al has collected 50 people together and he has shared the gospel with them and he's praying with 50 people right now. Now, here's what I want to say to you. That's a star. That is a star. That's a follower of Christ who takes the light that he has and leads people to Jesus. Friends, here's the message. We need to be that kind of a star. We've only got a certain amount of time left. And how much time we've got left, we need to take our light that we have, however that's influenced. And we need to use our light to be leading people to faith in Jesus. Do you agree with that? Everything about that setting was orchestrated by God. And I believe that's the message of that star. Now, one last thing I want us to look at. We'll call this the light of glory. Luke chapter 2, beginning verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them. The glory of the Lord shone round them. The term is Dodza Kurio. Can't be translated any other way. Dodza, glory, Kurio of the Lord. Glory of the Lord shone round them. Unmistakable term. What is that exactly? What is the glory of the Lord? Well, we have some clues here. In Exodus 16, verse 7. The Bible talks about God revealing His glory while miraculously providing manna in the morning and quail at night to eat. So that never happened before. People watched and said, whoa, that's God. That's God doing that. Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, describes God's glory in the tabernacle as being so heavy and so intense that, that Moses couldn't go in. He couldn't enter it. Whoa, God's glory in there. God's glory in there. Psalm chapter 63, verse 2, talks about God revealing His glory in the sanctuary and David being able to see it, David being able to feel it. It was, it was materializing. It was visible. Very, very clear to David. In Exodus 24, verse 17, the Lord revealed His glory to Israel, and I quote, like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. So, very visible. 
Very apparent. So as we think about the glory of the Lord, we recognize that it's always a physical manifestation of God's presence among his people. And that's kind of what we see here in our passage. Luke chapter 2 verse 9 describes God's glory as an intense light in which God's presence was very, very evident. Shepherds standing in the presence of, of God's glory. Standing in the very presence of God. That's God. That's God. Kind of like Paul on Damascus Road. That's God. That's God's, that's God's glory. But you recognize God doesn't do it that way anymore. He could. He could. He just chooses not to. So the question we begin to ask at this point is, how does God show his glory now? How does God manifest his presence today? How does, how does God manifest his magnificence today? How does God reveal his glory today? I, uh, I'm, I'm being looked at at the Veterans Administration because I've been designated as a person who has uh, who, who's been overexposed to Agent Orange, who's poison in Vietnam. So I'm in the Agent Orange registry, and the VA is looking and investigating me to see uh, what kind of damage, if any, has been done to me physically by Agent Orange. So that's kind of what I'm going through right now. And twice this last week, uh, I went to the um, I went to the VA clinic down in Austin. Beautiful place, by the way. I, you'd be surprised to see it. And I've been going there for a while. They've been looking at looking at me. Here's one of the things that I've experienced there, and I've experienced it many other places over many years. But when I walk into the VA clinic, I, I don't look like this. You know, I don't wear starched jeans and a crisp shirt, and I don't go that way. I, I go wearing old, worn-out jeans and and uh, casual boots and. A ball cap. I look like a street person normally when I go when I go down there. Uh, and, and I'll say this: when I walk in, when I walk into the VA clinic, uh, I'm a, I'm a veteran, just like just like all the others. And they range from in their 20s up into their their 80s. I'm I'm just another one of the veterans. I, I blend right into the crowd. And I tell you, my temptation is this: my temptation is just to put my head down uh, underneath my ball cap, put my hands in my jacket pocket, and just walk and just be invisible. That, that's my temptation. Just to kind of be a chameleon, just kind of blend into the crowd. That's what I'm tempted to do. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? You're at work. Aren't you the same way? You're kind of just tempted to just kind of blend into the crowd, just be, just be kind of a spot on the wall. Isn't that what we're tempted to do? But let me tell you something. Years ago, years ago, God said to me, uh-uh, Steve, you don't get to disappear anymore. That's not who you are anymore. My Holy Spirit moved into you years ago, so now you, Steve, you are my glory. You've got to shine. You don't get to be invisible anymore. You've got to shine. So now when I go to the VA clinic, I've got my head up. I've got my smile on. I've got my, I've got my prance going. I sit down now in those waiting areas... And I tell you, I, you know, I sit down in those wedding areas now, and I'm, Hi, I'm Steve Washburn. What's your name? When were you there? Where'd you serve? Did you get hurt? Are you okay? Hi, I'm Steve Washburn. What's your name? Where'd you serve? What branch were you in? How long have you been out? 
I want to tell you what, when I sit down there in that VA clinic, although I could blend right in with everybody else, I shine. I shine. I'll tell you what people are thinking. I see it in their eyes. They're thinking, I don't know what that guy's on, but I want some of that. I don't know what he's taking, but give me some of what that guy's taking right there. I'm shining for the Lord. And you give me an opportunity, and I'll let them know why I shine. I'm shining for Jesus Christ. Now look at me. You can't be invisible any longer. That's the old you. You have the Holy Spirit living in you now. You're not a chameleon. You are the glory of the Lord. Wherever you go, wherever you go, you shine the glory of the Lord shown upon them. That's who you are, and that's what we do now. Everything, everything about that setting is designed by God. Everything about it is designed by God. We are to receive His message now in all we do. And I'm just saying to you, we've picked at this, we've uncovered this, and we are to be God's lights at Christmas. You ready? All right, pray with me. Lord and Savior, we thank you for being so sovereign. We thank you for designing that nativity scene, that that first Christmas, exactly the way you want it to be. We thank you for not hiding your messages. We thank you now that all these years later we're still able to look at your canvas, at your painting, and we're able to recognize what you would have in our lives today. Just like the light of prophecy pointed right to Jesus, the light of our lives, our light in our lives is to point right to Jesus. Lord and Savior, just like, just like that star led people to Jesus, we're to be like that, like that star. We're to lead people to Jesus as people examine our lives. They look at the evidence of our lives. We're to be just like that star. And Lord, it may be a little bit more difficult for us to understand, but since Jesus, since you brought the Holy Spirit to us, since you own us now and live in us, coexist in us with our own personalities, we have become your glory. We can't be chameleons anymore. We're to light up so that everyone with whom we come in contact will know you're great. And you're awesome. And you're transforming. And you've done a wonderful work in our lives. And you do a wonderful work in everyone else's lives if they, if they allow you. So Lord and Savior, weigh heavily upon our hearts here this morning. Make a change in us. As you did in them. Now keep your eyes closed and your head bowed for just a moment. Let me say to you. This that we do here on Sunday morning. Everyone looking down. This that we do here on Sunday morning is eternal. This that we do here on Sunday morning is life transforming. We allow the Spirit of God to reach down and grab hold of our heart and our soul and draw us to Him so that He can change our future. Will you let Him change your future today? Will you... 
Will you just recognize that the culture and the society in which we live changes like the wind? They're never, ever right. They have always been wrong. Jesus beckons us to turn our back on them and follow Him, to trust and follow Him, and to yield control of our lives over to Him. That's what the word, that's what the word Lord means. So I want to invite you today. We love the world, and we're here to help the world, but we turn our backs on the world, and we turn to Jesus and trust and follow Him. Let me invite you to do that this morning. So many of the rest of us have done it. And our testimony to you is, this is going to be great. Will you just turn toward Jesus and trust Him and follow Him with your life? Come alongside so many of the rest of us and follow Him. And let Jesus and the Spirit of God do a great work in your life. Will you let Him do that? If you will, you'll be His glory. Will you do that? We're going to sing here in just a moment. And as we sing, I'm going to invite you to step out from wherever you are. Make your way down here to the front. The pastors and I are going to be standing here in front of the, in front of the stage. We have men and women who are trained counselors who love people, eager to talk to you and visit with you if you'll just come. If you're looking for a church home, come serve with us. If you need to pray, come pray with us. Let's respond to the living Lord Jesus in this moment. Lord and Savior, pull us now. Give us, give us more of a conviction to follow you than the resistance to follow the world.
Hi, this is Steve Washburn, pastor at First Baptist Church, Pflugerville. We're the ones who just built that beautiful new 33,000-square-foot worship center there on Pecan Street, just as in town. Say, listen, if you're looking for a church home, I wish you'd come check us out. Lots of other folks sure are. We're one of the fastest-growing fellowships in the Austin area. We're trying our best to offer something for everyone. No matter what your situation in life, you'll find good friends here. I know I'm biased, but I believe we have some of the most uplifting worship services you'll find anywhere. Many of you are familiar with Tom Cotter and his praise band, By Design. We're fortunate to have them leading our modern worship experience at the 11 o'clock hour on Sunday mornings. That's our largest and fastest growing group. But I'm also excited about something new we're trying in our 9 o'clock hour. Daniel Reclue is one of the area's most gifted choral directors, and he has reinvented one of the only genuinely traditional worship services in the area for those of you who are boomers and long to return to the joyful worship of your youth. Listen, Google us at First Baptist Pflugerville and come see us. Tim Smith Landscaping. Wow, these guys know what they're doing. Tim Smith has been taking care of landscaping since he was knee-high to a yucca. And they can come to your house and turn a yucky-looking yard into a show place. Take a drab, boring commercial or residential piece of property and turn it into a place that you'll be proud to call home or proud to call your business. There's simply no better choice for landscaping than Tim Smith. 512-848-0659 or 512-258-0093 or www.timsmithlandscaping.com George Christensen and his family at Casa Mechanical Services are longtime friends and sponsors for Love Talk, Love Walk. These Casa friends are professionals with more than 40 years experience in providing heating, air conditioning, plumbing, and electrical services in the Austin area. If your heating isn't heating, your cooling isn't cooling, or your drains aren't draining, well, then you need to call our friends at CASA at 334-7300. They provide sales and service on all major brands from professionals you can trust. So big jobs or little jobs, it doesn't matter. Call CASA at 334-7300. Ellison Salazar, Garage and Body Shop. At Ellison Salazar, customer satisfaction is our main concern. For a tune-up or major body work, Central Texans have trusted Ellison Salazar for over 55 years. Ellison Salazar. Hail damage specialists, smoothing out life's dents and bumps. Big or small for you and your car. Now at three locations. South at 4501 South Congress. North at 8808 Research Boulevard. And New Northwest location at 8425 Anderson Mill Road. Call 444-5555. That's 444-5555. Ellison Salazar. Fixing your auto problems and needs with a happy face and the best professional touch. Hi, friends. This is Kathy Enderbrock with Let's Pray Today Ministries. Are you struggling in your marriage with anxiety and depression? Have rebellious kids or or just want to pray for your children? Maybe you simply don't know where to start in prayer. We specialize in creating the tools to help you learn how to pray and pray effectively in a variety of life issues. Get your free MP3 download today on the topic of your choice. Go to www.letspraytoday.com and click on shop for your free audio prayer download. Become a friend on Facebook and let us know what prayer topic you need help with. Hi, this is John Codner. You know, every day we're constantly hearing about how bad everything is. Well, isn't it time to hear about what's right and good? 
good? Isn't it time for some good news? If your answer is yes, then you need the Good News Journal, published by our very own Evelyn Davison. With a healthy dose of happiness, hope, and humor, the Good News Journal is distributed for free at hundreds of locations throughout Central Texas, including Walmart, Popeye Chicken, H-E-B, Bob Bullock Museum, libraries, and churches. And did we say that it's free? For advertising information or to have an article published, call 512-249-6535. That's the Good News Journal, an inspirational patriotic journal published quarterly to bring you the Lord's good news. The Good News Journal, 512-249-6535. And you can also read it online at thegoodnewsjournal.net. 